Welcome to a Revival House Sermon, where we champion you to become the unveiling of Jesus to this world. And then this week, we see in verse 13, Paul prays again. Do you remember how Paul begins... And he starts telling all of these amazing realities and all these amazing truths and all these things that you're seated in Christ and all the treasures of his blood and all of the heavenly uh, realities has been given to you. And then he stops and he goes, I need to pray that you'll get revelation of what I'm telling you to experience this power. And so he prays that and then he continues on and it begins and so the first part is talking about everything that we everything that we possess everything that we own and everything that we have and then and he prays in that and then he goes on and he starts telling you about the long-range plan of God of the destiny that you have in him and and how he has planned from the very beginning to create one new man and bring the church into the realm the body of Christ and then he at the end of that he stops and he goes, I need to pray again. And in verse 13, I almost said 13. There in verse 13, and he prays again. The first time he prayed was about power and revelation, and the second time he prays about experiencing his love. Start, yeah, I'm going to start in 13. He says, My dear friends, I pray that you will remain strong and not be discouraged or ashamed by all that I suffer on your behalf, for it is for your glory. So I kneel humbly in awe before, before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect, perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on earth. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside of you, and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences, the great magnitude, the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions, How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled and overflowing with the fullness of God. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Now we offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church and every generation through Jesus Christ, and all that will yet be manifest through this time and eternity. So essentially, I find it really interesting as I was going through reading this, is one... Paul is writing this 
while he's in prison in chains. And he's sitting here talking about that he can do more than you can imagine, more than you can think up, more than you can dream. And this guy is locked up in chains and in prison. The most joyful, hope-filled writing, and the guy's locked up. But as, he, as we go through it, he, he's taking us on this journey, right? You know, Ephesians is sit, walk, and stand. And we'll see in chapter 4, he transitions to actually walking this out. But in, here in chapter 3, he's finishing up the first part of understanding our seating and our position and what we have in Christ. And so he's getting you to understand this is where you're seated, this is what you have, and this is what you've been given. And so he starts on that journey of describing all the things you've been given in the heavenly places. And he starts describing where you're seated and who you're seated with. And he talks about the power that you've been given that rose Jesus from the grave. And then, like I said, he prays, man, you've got to get this revelation because this is only revelation that you can understand it. And then he begins to go, hey, you, you were destined, predestined. You were planned out before God laid the foundations of the earth. God thought of your destiny and your plan, and he gave you grace to complete it. And we talked about the grace that God has given to you that if he planned you out in your life before ever laying the foundations of the earth, then he always planned and meant for you to rely on grace, supernatural empowerment to fulfill your destiny. And he says, then he takes Jew and Gentile and they're no more. He takes one new man in Jesus Christ and he brings the body of Christ into this earth to reveal Jesus to the seen and the unseen. And then at the end, he goes, I need to pray for the next so that you'll understand that you need to experience his love before you step into the next part. And he switches over in four. And I think I'm just, there's, I really want us to rest on 17 today. That's really where we're going to spend most of our time. Because think about this. If Paul has brought us through, he's elevated you to the highest rank and greatest position in the universe, right? You're seated in Christ. And what could happen is you could become really proud and really boastful in your position, right? Because he's saying you, you can everything in the heavenly realm, you're seated in Jesus, and it could puff you up. But I think Paul is ending because, right, I told you he's getting us into the positional place and of understanding where we're at, and he ends with you need to experience the love of God for yourself in your own life, and you need to feel and experience that humble reality of his love because if you get proud because of if because of your standing in Jesus and you get all puffed up you become useless to this world right because all you're going to spread is the proud arrogance so seeing your value in heaven if it makes you proud makes you worthless to this earth 
But if you see your value in heaven and you understand it through the context of loving humility, you become the reality of Jesus into this world. And so I think that's why Paul actually ends with this last note, is he's going, I need you to get where you're at and where you're seated, because then we're going to talk about you walking this out and standing in it, but you've got to have the foundation of where you're lovingly humility of starting. And that's what he says, so I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on earth. He says, and I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with explosive power, dunamis. And then in 17, he says, then, pay close attention to 17. He says, then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside of you. And the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. I find it interesting. So other translations and other things will say, you know, the, uh, our faith uh, brings us into Christ and, and it is the source and root of our life. And there's different translations. I really like the way the pan, Passion Translation puts it. Because it puts it in words that really are descriptive. I just like the way it's said better. But I think it's interesting. He says, then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside of you. Like, you've got to use it. Think about this. This is Paul who just a few verses before said, Jesus is in you. And he says, you're seated in Christ. And then he says, if you'll use your faith, it'll release him. You see what I'm saying? Is that you're going, Paul, I thought you said he's already in me. Are you contradicting yourself? He's going, no, I'm not contradicting myself. Jesus is in you. He's been placed in you. But you've got to release him into your world, into your reality. He says, by using your faith, the reality of Christ will be released into your being. And so you can't just sit back and go, I got Jesus, I'm seated in Christ, and repeat Bible verses. But in reality, he's saying, you have got to activate, you've got to step into your faith. It's not about getting more faith. We've all been given a measure of faith, right? It's not, you know, oh, somebody goes, well, you just didn't have enough faith. No, you were given that faith. And you've got Jesus inside of you. You've been given the uh, riches of heaven. But he's saying, step out, take a risk, use your faith, and the reality of Jesus will be released into your life and into you, who you are. And I, I was thinking about this. I was meditating on this yesterday and today a lot. And I was like, you know, people say, man, I just want more of Jesus and all this stuff. And I'm like, if you want more of Jesus, maybe go out there and use your faith. Right? Paul is saying he's in you, but get out there. And you, when you use your faith, the reality that he's in you and living in you comes to life. And so people are saying, oh, I want more of Jesus, more of Jesus. I'm like, go out there and risk something. <laughs> Go out there and fail. It doesn't say if you, by going out and using your faith and succeeding, Jesus will be released. 
You don't even have to succeed. Even if you fail, I guarantee you're going to realize, whoa, Jesus is in me. He's going to take care of it. And so, and he said, and so he says, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside of you. And the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. This is what I, I wrote down as I was meditating on this. He's, you know, Paul's been painting a picture of faith this whole time. You, you realize that? We've talked about it. Remember when he's talking about let God illuminate your imagination or the thoughts of your heart. He says, until you're full of light. And, and he says, and faith accesses the, the, the resurrection power of Jesus. Faith accesses that. It's basically what plugs you into it. And we talked about how the journey of faith. As they were saying, if you get your imagination, your thoughts, your dreams renewed with his thoughts and his mind, it, you actually begin to dream and think about these things. And then hope is birthed. The, the seed of hope is, starts in our imagination, and from that we start to dream and believe that this can happen. And from that, then we step out in faith into that, and faith is actually what plugs us into power that gets us that breakthrough. Right? But then Paul, here at the end, right here, is saying, by using your faith, he releases it. But the source and the root of your life is the resting place of his love. Essentially, I'd say this. Faith has to have a foundation. Think about this. Faith has to have the foundation of his love. Because you can have faith just not in God. Right? Faith is not a magic thing that only God uses. Faith is a reality of the spiritual realm. You can have faith in bad things. If I, tell, if I come to Ryan and say, Ryan, tomorrow you're going to get a car wreck and both your legs are going to get broken, right? He could go home and Ryan could be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die maybe. I'm going to get my legs broken and think about it. And he can worry about it and fear about it and think about it and imagine those things, right? And then he bursts that, oh my gosh, and he starts living in those thought processes. And then he has faith that this bad thing is going to happen. That is obviously not God, right? So that means you can have faith in the other kingdom. You're having faith in these bad things. Or you can flip it and say, no, I'm going to have faith in the goodness of God, the protection that he has over me, and that I am his and he is mine. And by the blood of Jesus, that's not happening. So I'm not going to get in the car wreck and break both my legs, right? So the foundation of faith, you can have the foundation of, uh, of fear and worry, or you can have the foundation of love and peace and so faith has to have that foundation and it's actually from the resting place of his presence that true faith comes out so think about this the resting place of his love is the source and root of all of your life didn't we just talk about how your life was already planned out and is a destiny and basically it's impossible. When God planned your life and destined you and wrote it out, he's going, I'm going to make all of their destiny impossible and then I'm going to give them grace to do the impossible. That's what grace means, to be able to do that which you could not previously do. 
And so every part of your destiny has grace allotted in it. That's your life. And then Paul is saying, hey, the source and the root of every part of your life is in the resting place of his love. So if you want to live in all of that, you've got to find the resting place of his presence and his love. Right? Think about, before I, I talk about the resting place of his love, think about, I find it interesting, like the wording and the way it is said is resting place of his love. Because it's not just experiencing his love, it's actually in that place that you go, the resting place of his love. That, that shows, a, that, that speaks to me of a relaxedness, a, a, a comfort kind of place, a open place. And it's a place where you're not putting anything on and you're not trying to make it all happen. A picture I'd paint is this. Think about, you know there's some people, you could just hang out in your pajamas and flip-flops all day and be fine. And some people, you would totally change and not put your stained shirt on and all that stuff, Right? They're two different relational dynamics, right? Like, there, like uh, there's times, you know, if Dawson calls me up, hey, let's go get coffee or something like that, I don't really care what I'm wearing because I'm in his presence, I can rest. But then there's some people that if I'm with them, I have to kind of be alert, I kind of have to be aware, I'm probably not going to wear those pants, you know, I'm probably going to wear something different, you know what I mean? You have to put on a different place. The relationship dynamic is different. In the same way, those, there's some people that let's say I had a long week and I really just got up that day and I'm not going to do anything. I'm tired. I want to rest, right? But there's some people I could actually go with, spend part of the day, go out to lunch or whatever. They could come over to my house or something. And because I'm comfortable with them, because I have that relationship with them, I actually still get rested that day. Because I have that relationship. I have that place with them. And then there's other people, you're around them, you're putting on, it drains you. You're not going to be resting. And so in this context, he's saying the place that you have with God is the resting place of his love. Of where you don't have to put anything on. You're not trying to earn it. You're not trying to do anything. You're totally open and you're allowing him to love you. And he's saying that place that you have with God is going to be the source of everything, and that's the place that you rest all of your faith upon. So think about this. What Paul is talking about here is he's going, this faith that plugs you into this incredible dunamis power of God is going to come out of that resting place. But, you know, faith doesn't just come out of that place, right? Because the word says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Or you might say faith comes by a testimony, a story, or something like that. But Paul is also saying, dude, the source and the root of your life that you are going to live out the power of God is going to all be built upon you experiencing his love because then he says when you sit in this place with him then you experience the great magnitude and the astonishing love of Jesus and that's what brings you into your destiny but you know 
the difference is this. If somebody comes to me, let, let's use a context of healing or something like that, right? Whatever it is. But let's say you've got a sickness or a problem or whatever it is. And somebody then you meet gets up and tells you, hey, this is my problem. I had the same thing, all this stuff. And maybe somebody prayed for me or whatever it was or they believed and, and God healed them. And suddenly from their testimony and their experience, you see the love of God through that person and it bursts the ability for hope and ability to step into faith and you plug into that power and maybe you pray the same thing or you have them pray for you or something like that and you get your breakthrough or you get your healing, right? The faith came through that testimony. But this is, I think the difference is, is a testimony is the physical representation of the unseen reality of God's love for you. Whether it's when, when somebody shares their testimony, whoa, you see the love of God. It is the physical representation of the non-physical thing that, we, that God has for us. It is the expression of God's love in a testimony, and it connects us into that faith. But you see it. You don't know it. See, I can then, and I've done this, I think we all have done this, let's say I see somebody, they tell me this testimony, and we go, okay, tell me every way you prayed, tell me all of the steps, tell me the whole process, I'm going to tell me the story again, what are you feeling? everything, okay. And so then we can repeat it, right? And so then you can go, and you can say the exact same things, do the, all the same things, and all that same stuff, and you know what, Lord will probably still do something amazing through it, but you can regurgitate it. It's the same way with the Word of God. You know, you can look, read the Word of God, you can memorize the Word of God, and you can regurgitate it and, re, uh, and, and repeat it all you want. But the difference is, when you experience God's love, His presence, for you and the reality that touches your very most inner being, it's the difference between knowledge and revelation. It's the difference between it's between being able to repeat something and knowing something. Right? So, because, think about this. If, whatever it is, God wants to encounter you in his presence every day of the week. But in the context, let's say we come into, you're in a church service or whatever, and you're in worship, and the presence of God is there. The word says, taste and see and know that I'm good. And you're sitting in the, and you're worshiping, and maybe you're in a weird place or whatever, but then you let that all fall away, and then the presence of God is there, and his love starts to touch you, and he starts, maybe he speaks to you, maybe you just feel something, maybe you hear something, maybe you get a picture, or maybe you just know something, but it is the presence of God and the reality that you recognize, that the manifest presence of God, and his love, and then his love starts to pour over you, and maybe you see your whole life flash before your eyes, and you see God in every different part, and every different presence, and you're like, whoa, Oh, he's so loving and he's so good. And maybe if you're like me, you're bawling your eyes out, you know. And, and, the, and then when you go, whoa, you suddenly know it. It's not a head knowledge. It's that you experienced it and know it in your innermost being. You have 
You just got a revelation of his love. Revelation is not head knowledge. Revelation means unveiling. It's basically I take the curtains back and you see what's back there. I can tell you what's behind the curtain or revelation actually pulls it back. It's unveiling. So you just got a revelation of his love for you and you go, whoa, if he loves me that much and he cares that much, then that means... You know, he wants to help me in my finances. He wants to help me in my healing. He wants to bring restoration to that relationship. He wants that because he loves me that much. And suddenly, what just happened? You now just got faith that you go, I'm plugging in to that breakthrough. Through the resting place of his manifest love for you. So that's why I said that testimony, it's saying this is, the, this is where you can see it, and it's great, and we need testimonies, and I want to share testimonies all the time, but you can see it, regurgitate it, repeat it, or you can know it with revelation. You see, you can repeat all the steps, but you can't recreate what you know. And that's, and that's why I, when I was reading this, I'm going, oh, my Lord. He's, he's giving us the secrets. You see, Paul has taken us on this whole journey. It's so funny. Truthfully, I would have probably said this in the beginning instead of at the end, but it's almost backwards to me. But Paul essentially said, look, here's the journey of faith. From imagination, you go up and you get hope, and then here's faith. And you can either start from the loving presence of God, and it can connect you in that. And obviously, you can have the wrong foundation. But he's saying it all starts, the seeds of faith are planted in the resting place of his love. And so I was, I was right, I just was writing stuff down. And if you want a cool uh, refrigerator quote, I can give you one. Is that the more that we rest in his presence, the more we are empowered to shake the gates of hell. You may think resting in his presence is like lazy and chill, but in reality, that is the root source of everything you're going to do. Paul is trying to get us to see that. Because think about this. This guy who's writing this right now is in chains in a Roman prison. And yet he's writing this going, I've been given all of the treasures of heaven is mine and Jesus is in me and he can do more than you can even think or imagine or whatever it is. How is he saying that? And why is he saying that the resting place of his love is the root and source of your life? Because he's plugged in. He found the root and source of all of his life, all of his being, all of his personhood. And that is, I've connected myself to the presence and the love of God. And now he sees the world differently and he encounters it. He's like, I'm not in prison here because they got me here. I'm here because I'm part of an amazing plan of God. He is not talking about abstract ideas of, oh, there's, you know, go with Jesus. He's like, no, dude, I'm in a prison, and I have got the root source of all of my life right here. 
And so what does he say? In, in verse 20, he says, Never d- doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. You'll achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He'll outdo them all. What does that all this mean? Everything he just said for the last two and a half chapters. Read the whole thing straight through. And he'll be talking about all the realities of heaven and all the destiny that you have and the plan that he has for this world. And he goes, all of this that I've been talking about, he can do greater than you can think or imagine. And how does he know that? And how has he experienced that? Because he's connected to the root of the the loving presence of God. That is why when I read this, and I see this, that that is where our faith is really birthed out of, is that every person needs that for themselves. And that is why the, the reality of his presence is so important for us. Think about it. We could come in here, and we can sing songs, and we can read the Bible and whatnot, and it can be empty, and there's no presence. But he's saying the resting place of his love, that, that resting place, that manifest presence of his love, that's the source of your life. Why? Because that's where revelation comes from because you get a revelation of his love and that brings you into all things. The greatest of these, it's not hope, it's not love. I mean, it's not hope, it's not faith, but it's love. That's why it's the greatest of these because when you get a revelation of love and then you step out in your faith, and you release Jesus into your very most inner being, you fulfill your destiny, and when you do that and another person does that and you come together, you're the church and you manifest who Jesus is to this world and to the heavenly realm. So think about it. If you're not able to connect with the Holy Spirit, if you're not able to connect with His presence, not able to sense him not able or if we come into a church or if we are just out in our normal daily life and we're not connecting with his presence and the loving reality of him we're missing out and we're not connected to the very life source that's going to bring you through everything in your life like if you lose connection to his presence then you're dead. Your church is dead. Your life is dead. Your direction is dead. Everything is dead. So if we miss his presence or if we lose his presence or he draws back, we should be very concerned about that. And we should say, no, we need that because we need his his life source. We need his love. We need that relationship. It's the most important thing in all reality, it is the most important thing in our lives, in our church, and in everything. It is, our, it is the root of our life. And so, in the end, he says, man, all this stuff that you're thinking about, God can do greater. But let's, and he says, Now we offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church and every generation. 
He's just brought us on the greatest journey of seeing who we are and where we're seated. And he's about to start telling us how to live this out and how to walk it out. But he's saying, when you guys get a revelation of where you're seated and what you've got, and you've experienced his love, then for every generation of every church and every believer, man, we've got to praise him and worship him for that. We've got to respond to that. Because that is absolutely incredible. And he's saying, and it says, now we offer up to the glorious praise that rises from every church and every generation through Jesus. And that will yet be manifest throughout all time and eternity. So for all time and eternity, that praise is going to continue for what he has given and done in our life here because of his love. So that's really, that, that basically finishes three, and next time we'll really get into it where he goes, let me tell you how to walk this now. All three of these chapters were all just getting you ready to realize who you are. Essentially, he wanted to see where you are. He wanted to blow all of your circuits. He just wanted to ruin you. And then you and then you'd go, if that's true, then how do I do it? And he goes, oh, look, I'll tell you how to do that too. I'll tell you about the grace that he's given to bring that forth. But it all goes back to his loving presence. Make that the most important thing in your life, and you'll succeed in everything because that'll direct you and guide you and and bring you into the craziest things. The greatest lovers of God are the most impossible, crazy people ever. Is because that is the source of your life. You can regurgitate and say things all you want, but until you get a revelation of that through his presence, it's just words. So let me pray with you and end out. Well, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Lord, I I just thank you for your presence. God, I thank you that every single day of our life, you want to encounter us, you want to talk to us, you want to be with us, and that you want to show us your love. And this is just a blip in time of every moment you want to have with us. And that each time we get closer to you, we believe what you say, and we draw closer to you, we we bring you into this world. Lord, I just pray for everyone here tonight. God, I just pray that you would give them, just manifest and bring forth the reality of Jesus in them and the love that you have. And that this week as they go out, is that you would challenge us in our faith to step out. But that you would also lavish upon us love and give us the foundation that we step out in that. We're not doing this out of works. We're not doing this to try to earn something. We're doing it because we're loved. And God, because we're so loved, we get to love you back. 